So pleased to welcome on the pod one more time the head coach of the Crown College Polars men's basketball squad, Luke Herbert. Coach, thanks so much for joining us again. Hey, really excited to be on the pod and uh, chat with you guys. So starting off, want to hear, and I'm sure our you know audience would love to hear too, obviously, you know, you love the game of basketball. That's a grind for a lot of the year, but everyone has to step aside at some point. Let us know, uh, how's your offseason been? What do you coach herbert do in the off season to pass the time wow that's a great question um for me i'm very much in the season of life where i am doing whatever my kids are doing um so i've got my oldest is 11 and then i've got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and so i'm coaching youth soccer and i'm taking girls to dance and we're volunteering at vbs and um, you know, taking field trips and, and we did homeschool all last year. So in the spring, you know, you're teaching classes and doing some things like that. And then, uh, when we get to the summer, it's a lot of youth sports and, and we, we like to be outdoors as a family. So some, some hikes and some bike rides and we got to visit, um, another actually UMAC coach. We went up on vacation up North of Duluth and stopped on our way and hung out with uh, Joe Mooney, the uh, the men's soccer coach there at UW Superior. So I got to see you know some some UMAC friends and uh, enjoy some time outdoors. And you know that brings us right back to another school year. As I say, Coach, my first question was going to be: Do you feel like the off season went by quick? Even maybe quicker this year than it has in the past, especially with the kids starting to grow up a little bit. Does it go by quick? Well, yeah. I mean, a little bit of both, honestly. For me you know, the, the kids and, and we, you know, we, we talk about as a family that we kind of try to take it a half day at a time. Um, if I can get on the same page with my wife and we can figure out where each kid is supposed to be and, and how they're getting there and, and how we're going to navigate that even a half day at a time, we feel like we're, we're winning. Um, so the, the days are really full, um, but that's a good thing. Um, but then on the flip side of that, this phase of kind of my time at Crown, I'm heading into my 13th year at Crown College, which is wild even just to say out loud. Um, but this is kind of the first time I've been just the basketball coach. And so from serving as an SID to being the men's soccer coach for five years and you know doing some administrative work, um, this is this is kind of a new a new season for me in terms of just having basketball. And so one of the things that did is it, it made the uh, made the offseason kind of crawl along for me because I didn't have you know significant other duties eating up a lot of my time. It was just kind of waiting on that next basketball season. So that's been a little bit tough, to be honest, having that long wait to get back to uh, October 15th. We'll for sure, Coach, talk plenty about you know what is coming in a couple of weeks with that first practice. But before we get to that point, we'd just like to hear your assessment of what you guys were able to accomplish last year. And I know at the end of the UMAC tournament didn't end how you guys would like, but straight up, I mean, Wyatt and I owe you an apology. We were wrong in our preseason predictions. We did not have you guys doing the damage that you did at conference play and then making it to the final. But we kind of looked at it like, yes, you were that close to winning the championship. And you can share, you know, your, your thoughts on that after that game. But it felt like still a big step forward, at least as far as wide iron are concerned, 
four-year program for what you're able to do and maybe even exceeding expectations from the outsider's perspective. And I know it's different in your own locker room and what you guys talk about, what you think you can accomplish throughout the season. But just wondering if you'd be willing to share your assessment of what your group was able to do and the growth you had from last November when you look to, you know, into March, even going to the um, NCCAA with you guys ending your season there. Yeah, no, I think now that you have some time to get clear of the season, you look back and, um, you know, you look at our best ever regular season finish in the UMAC, um, you know, kind of that three-way tie for second, but having the tiebreakers, um, you know, to finish, to finish in second place and host a couple playoff games. Um, you know, 17 wins is a really good number for us. Um, won some, some pretty tough non-conference games, you know, felt good about some of our performances and, you know, we beat a Luther team that we haven't been able to get past before in non-conference and, and felt like we kind of owed them a win. Um, you know, we were able to beat what turned out to be a, a pretty tough McAllister team um, in non-conference play at their place. Um, and we did that with half of our team in quarantine. Um, so that was kind of a big feather in our cap. Um, so, we, yeah, we felt really good about that. Obviously for us uh, and for me as a competitor, oh, hey, you made it to the conference championship game. Hey, you went to the NCCAA tournament and you made the national championship game. And those are, those are positive things. Those are good things for a program. But as a competitor, to lose two title games in two weeks, that's tough. That's tough. And I felt it. I know our coaches felt it. I know our players felt it. And so um, we've got a pretty motivated bunch. Uh, we don't need a ton of external motivation you know it never hurts it's always nice to have some bulletin board material here and there um and i think if we look back to last season i think the coaches voted us i think we might have been sixth but i know we were a lot closer to seventh than we were at fifth and so you know for a team that had beat some of the teams the year before that were ranked ahead of us in you know what we might call the bubble kind of that pandemic shortened season um, yeah, we, we, we took note of that. And so it felt good to have, you know, a solid season, you know, a, a positive, you know, a, a winning record, I guess you could say 17 and 14, um, you know, to win a couple playoff games to, to make it to that conference title game. Um, and so we've said for years, kind of, as we built the program, you know, step one for us was to be not just a team that would threaten to get into the playoffs or, or, you know, could sneak into the playoffs once every few years, but a team that would consistently be in the playoffs. And I think we've accomplished that. It's, you know, five years in a row that we've been able to do that. And then, you know, we wanted to ideally consistently be a team that can compete near the top of the conference. And I feel like we've, we've kind of hit that mark last year. And so for us, kind of that next step, that last step, um, right. And it always seems like Northwestern's that, you know, I know they were that team for St. Scholastica, um, and, and that, that kind of seems, you know, in, in my time here, two conference title game appearances, both at Northwestern, you know, both tough season ending losses. That's the last hurdle is, is to get over that hurdle and to try to win a conference championship. And so, you know, that's certainly on our mind. That's certainly on our players mind. Um, and I think, you know, this last season, we felt like we took a step in that direction. Also, Coach, I feel like it's perfect to go into this next question. Then you mention uh, everything you have accomplished and then what's kind of left at this point in time. 
I would say, or at least from our point of view, there's a lot of noise, buzz surrounding the program this year and what you could potentially accomplish. You got a ton coming back for this team from a year ago. How do you kind of maintain that, handle it, and use it to your advantage and at the same time maybe block it out and just focus on the task at hand as well? Yeah, no, it's a really unique situation. And, um, you know, as a coach, you know, part of you says, oh, I wonder if, if the other coaches are going to dog us again this year and, and you know, rank us kind of low in the preseason. Um, but then, you know, the flip side of that is let's say we get ranked highly. Well, now that's a little bit more pressure to live up to. And so, you know, everybody kind of loves to be the underdog. And, you know, you've got, you know, national champions, number one ranked teams, you know, going to their post-game interviews. Oh, nobody believed in us. No, man, everybody believed in you. You were ranked number one all season. What do you mean nobody believed in you? So everybody wants to play the underdog, and I get that. Um, but, yeah, it's a unique position. You know, we bring back the top seven guys in our rotation from last year. Um, and that's not that's a rare thing, you know, to, to be able to say. And so, you know, we feel like we've got a lot of experience coming back. And, and really, I feel like we were playing our best basketball at the end of the season which is always the goal, um, but it doesn't always work out that way. Um, and so I just felt really good about where we were at. And um, as, a, as a program and, and as, as coaches, we look at our loss at Morris coming out of Christmas break. Um, we played a couple tough games, you know, back-to-back against St. Mary's. Gustavus got beat up pretty good, went to Morris, um, and I think lost 80-74. to 74. And that was kind of a wake-up call for us to, to really make some changes and to, to double down on some of the things we were doing and to kind of look at some areas of weakness and, and really address those. Um, and I'm just so proud of the guys. They, they really responded to some of those changes. And you know, at one point, I think we, we won seven of nine in, in the league, and our average margin of victory was like 23 points. And so that's not some place, you know, we've been competitive before and we've had good stretches before. Um, but I think it's fair to say, you know, with some of the numbers we were putting up and, and how we were winning games, it was kind of a dominant stretch for us. And so, um, you know, Northwestern's always going to be a tough, tough game. Um, you know, we were able to get them at their place in the regular season, and then they, you know, were really hot and played great in that conference title game. Bethany was a team that gave us a lot of trouble. Um, Brian Smith was a monster against us, man. Oh, my goodness, what a player. And so he, uh, he was a, a lot for us to handle. But uh, we were really proud of the way we played. And so I think that's kind of what our guys and, and what we want to hang on to as a program. We want to kind of keep those standards, um, you know, refine some things. We're certainly going to, you know, we've got some plans to add some things and some wrinkles here and there. Um, but really just, you know, trying to integrate a couple new guys to join that rotation. Um, I typically play a few more guys than some coaches. We, we usually get up to nine or ten guys that, that typically play somewhat regularly anyway. So we've got a few guys to integrate, um, you know, and kind of see, you know, what, what new guys have come in that will maybe make an impact. And, um, but we're really lucky that we just get to add that to a really strong core, you know, that we're bringing back. Coach, I want to widen it now for a moment to the conference as a whole. And why didn't I have talked about this a decent amount this off season with so many things happening across the conference and, you know, players leaving programs and players moving and whatnot, but specifically looking at, you know, those big names who are gone. And you already mentioned Brian Smith at Bethany, his Ronnie mate, if you will, Kyrie Mayfield. And then you go to Northwestern, Noah Ohm, Caleb Waldeck, and then you go to North Central, not just, you know, Justin Castro, their their leader as a point guard, but then they have a new head coach stepping in and Jeremy Becker new into the league. 
and then you guys, like you mentioned, have your top seven coming back. All that is to say, do you feel like this right now is potentially a new era for UMAC men's basketball where you fit into that mold as well too? And if you want to touch on, I mean, if you personally have ever been more excited going into a season than you are this year, like you mentioned, there's maybe more expectations, but also to say, hey, you know what? We have a chance to do something really special this season. What do you think going into this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it'd be it'd be crazy to not look at this season and set high expectations. Um, you know, you mentioned the term kind of a new era, and I think in, until somebody can keep Northwestern off the top of that podium for more than one year at a time, I, I don't I don't think we can start talking about new eras yet. And I just have a ton of respect um, for Coach Gross and for that program, and and they've been such a consistent standard of excellence in the conference, and so um, you know they're the champ until they're not kind of a deal. And so we would obviously love, you know, to be able to put ourselves in a position, you know, to be in that game and to have an opportunity again this next year. And that's certainly going to be on our minds. Um, And I think if you would have asked me that, you know, six, seven years ago, um, when I was still in my early thirties or, you know, still, you know, not that I'm, you know, I don't like to think I'm too old, um, but I'm getting up there in, in coaching years, you know, this is my 13th year at Crown and I'm not that young coach anymore. Um, so I just really, I really do try to temper expectations because I think if, if you go into non-conference play, if you go into the preseason, even if you go into UMAC play and you look ahead and, you know, circle particular games or, or you, um, you know, you, you put a star on the calendar at that UMAC championship game, you're, you're going to mess around and find yourself out of the playoffs or, you know, you're going to go up to superior and get beat up by a big physical team. And, you know, coach Polkowski foaming at the mouth and getting those guys playing as hard as they do. Um, you know, you're going to go up to Northland in a tough place to play and you're going to take an L and um, you just can't get ahead of yourself. Um, and I, I've just got too much respect for, I, I know the work that are the, the coaches in our league put in. I know how tough their teams are. And so we just, we really do, it's a cliche and I know it, but we, we want to focus on our performances. We want to focus on getting better um, and just kind of take things one day at a time. And um, I, I know that doesn't make for a great interview or a great soundbite, but it really is, you know, it, it's a cliche for a reason. And, you know, it really does hold true. And so that's kind of how we're, we're trying to take it. And, um, you know, I think we've got a pretty uniquely balanced non-conference schedule. We, we've got some games that we're excited for that we think we can be competitive in. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll start there and, and try to keep guys healthy and, and try to be playing really well. And, um, you know, we'll kind of see how things shake out as the conference season goes along. Before you even get to conference, you mentioned you'll go through the non-conference. You have a couple of weeks of practice here. What's your favorite part about the start of a season? And this time of the year as you get ready for that first practice and you're back in the gym with the guys, what, what's the best part of that? So for me, honestly, one of my favorite moments of the year, and it really hit me this year, I think maybe more than, than some other years, for whatever reason, maybe I'm getting old and, and sentimental, but um, you know, we looked at when, when our guys move in, we have a meeting with all the newcomers the first night they move in, and we just you know, go over our expectations, go over kind of the culture of Crown and, and make sure guys are you know, reminded a little bit of, of kind of our standards of conduct and things. Um, and then, you know, that's, that's usually a pretty formal meeting. You got a bunch of new guys. They're maybe a little bit nervous. Um, you know, they, they don't know their coach that well yet. Um, and then three days later, when all of our returners come back, we, we have a, you know, kind of a, a whole team meeting, um, and get everybody acquainted and, and just connect and talk about grade checks and things like that. 
And at that meeting, it's just a totally different vibe because you've got guys and they're cutting jokes and they're making fun of me and they're making fun of each other. And um, the new guys are kind of looking around like, what in the world? Like, this is really... And it's just such a fun group to be a part of. Um, I really do love our guys. Um, they crush it in the classroom. They really they, they don't have any discipline issues on, on campus. Zero attitude issues. They're all so coachable. Um, and they really are just a joy to coach. So for me, man, we can't wait to get in the gym, and, and that's going to be fun. Um, but I just, I just love being around our guys. I love having them back on campus and um, you know, being able to see them every day. And whether it's having meals in the cafeteria or, or them coming to the Bible study I run or you know, just seeing them coming in and out of chapel, which is in our gym, so right down by my office, uh, I just love having the guys on campus. That's great stuff, Coach. That is, uh, that's truly what it's all about is those relationships for sure. So I want to take you off the court for a moment and uh, go back out to the pitch, if you will, because you brought this yeah. up on the last podcast. And uh, I, if I remember correctly, is it Crystal Palace? Is that the squad you follow, yeah, correct? Yeah, that's them, for so sure. So you can, you can let us know if there's any, any update on that. But a question I have for you, and again, we could spend a lot of time talking about this in some other setting, but I just want to get your thought on American soccer. Major League Soccer, the MLS, is it catching up? There's a narrative that maybe it's getting closer with the players they're attracting over here. And as a soccer purist like yourself who follows the Premier League, it is a different level. You can see that on TV. But will you even entertain yourself with going down to Allianz Field in downtown St. Paul or you know, keeping up with the loons a little bit? Or do you say, no, my allegiance is to Crystal Palace and to what happens across the pond? Yeah, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm kind of a soccer snob. I I, I got into the Prem, um, and, and I love watching that, and, and I'm tuning in every week. And, you know, if Palace aren't playing or they're playing on a Sunday, I'm watching the games on Saturday. And um, my, my, my kid, and I almost had to throw him out of the house, but he thinks he's a Man City fan. Um, and so I'll just chalk that up to the ignorance of youth. And, and I know they're fun to watch, and they score a ton of goals, but um, – so, so we've got, you know, some family rivalries even going a little bit. And, um, you know, he's a big Erling Holland guy, um, even has the hair going right now. And so he, uh, you know, we, we give each other quite a bit of shtick. Um, it's actually some really good banter for an 11-year-old. Uh, he can kind of hang in there with me and give me a hard time. And um, I've got some, you know, some former UMAC names that, you know, people listening to the basketball bot podcast may not know. But my old assistant, Ryan Plath, who played at Martin Luther, is like a Swansea fan, and they're not even in the Premier League anymore. So I was actually texting him about Swansea today. They had a, a winner 90 plus 8. So eight minutes into stoppage time, they had a winner today. Um, so we were, we were you know, going back and forth about that. I still text Jer Jones, um, who played for me on the Crown men's soccer team. Um, and he's a big Wales guy. He's from Wales. And so they're, they're getting ready to head off to the World Cup. So we were talking about who they're going to be taking um, to the World Cup and kind of how their roster is shaking out. So I do spend... I'm not going to lie, significantly more of my time talking about soccer <laughs> with, with people and former players. Um, I've got a couple players. Um, Ugo uh, Egwim from our football team is a big Arsenal guy. So when Arsenal and Palace play, we'll get some wings, and, and he'll sit in my office, and we'll put it on the big screen, and we'll, we'll watch that match. And so um, it's been kind of fun to see just the, the culture of fandom, even even at a, at a small place like Crown, kind of explode and, and, you know, running into people with different allegiances and things like that. So to kind of circle back and answer your question, I, I, I don't think I, I mean, I've, I've been once back when they were still playing, I think, what was it, TCF at the time? I think they were playing at the Gophers football stadium. 
and it was it was I'm not gonna lie, it was hard to watch. And so yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm gonna stick with the Premier League for now. I got nothing to add to that. I'm not a soccer guy myself. I'm not going to sit here and try and get into this conversation with you two, so I'll take things a different <laughs> route right now. Uh, one of the things we did talk about last year, Coach, though, and since we're on the topic of going off the court, was how you set up one of your players once with what would be his future wife. Are you out of that game now? You're no longer the matchmaker? Are you still dabble with that if people ask for advice? Well, so I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to name names, um, but I had a, a couple guys – that had played for me in the past don't currently play for me now so I won't name the sport I won't name the names but um, we met over the summer and they're guys that are you know kind of getting ready to move into that next phase of their life and after we met together a few times they both ended up breaking up with their girlfriends so that wasn't necessarily my advice and that certainly wasn't my intention um, but so it's it's not all you know rainbows and butterflies when it comes to the coach Herbert matchmaking service, I guess you could say. And so those guys went a different route. But on the flip side of that, both of my assistant coaches got married this summer. Um, so Noah, Coach Kant, uh, married our women's soccer coach Katie Carter, now Katie Kant. Um, and so I'm a I'm a you know more of a rabid Crown women's soccer fan than I ever have been. Um, you know because Katie's kind of part of the family now. And then Coach Singh got married um, two weeks before Noah, and I actually um, officiated his wedding. So, um, you know, got certified through the state, and, and my pastor, you know, wrote a letter that, that worked. And so, um, yeah, so I married Inder and his wife in mid-July, and then my three kids were, you know, involved in Noah's wedding as, as flower girls, and, and my son was a ring bearer. So yeah, so there was, you know, there was some positive news on the relationship front as well this summer. So coach, this is kind of going back to the floor, but kind of staying off it at, at the same time. Wyatt and I are, are fascinated again, looking at what has happened this off season across the league and how it is not just major division one college basketball where the transfer portal is a thing. It is a thing in the UMAC as well. And it's happening across the league and with some teams more than others, but we would just really like to hear your thoughts on if it's positive that the transfer portal is here, how do you operate with that as a coach going into the future? Is it something that you're like, okay, we got to take a different angle at this where obviously, you know, four or five years ago, this was never even a dream that this would be a thing, but how do you adapt you and your assistants to this? And do you think it's a positive thing going forward that the transfer portal is alive and well, I guess, if, if you want to call it that throughout the UMAC. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, and I think, you know, you could debate this for hours on end. And I think you could make really compelling arguments both ways. Um, for me, I think what I try to boil things down to when I'm thinking about anything related to either, you know, new NCAA rules, conference policies, campus policies, I really try to look at it through the lens of does this benefit student athletes? Um, I'm, I've been a firm believer for, for years and years and years that our decisions start and finish with how do they impact our student athletes? It's their game, it's their college experience, um, and I, I, I can adapt to things if it, if it gives them a better experience, if it keeps them safer, um, if, if the way we do things makes more sense for them. And so the one thing I will say about the transfer portal is that it does give students a lot more flexibility to find a place that's the right fit for them. And sometimes that 
That can be when, you know, opportunities dry up. Sometimes that can be when, um, you know, there's, there's a coaching change or, um, you know, you're, you're, you know, maybe it's a switch of a major, maybe it's things like that. Um, it's a slippery slope. It is. And, and I will admit that, um, you know, and, and we've been one that I don't want to say, you know, we've benefited from, but I guess that's probably the best way to say it. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a wild scenario with, and I'll, I'll, I'll shout out a guy, Jacob Masick, um, you know, started a game for Northwestern in the first semester and he finished our NCCAA tournament run and really the, the better part of our season being a big part of our lineup and started games for us at the end of the year. That's a really abnormal scenario. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, there's, a, there's a big part of me that's very uncomfortable with that. Um, you know, we've seen the guys from Superior headed to Bethany. We've seen, you know, Seth Fuqua now I think is over at Northwestern. We've seen Northwestern guys end up at Crown. Um, it's kind of wild, and I think there it has the potential to strain relationships, and it has the potential to create kind of some havoc. The last thing I would want to see is all of a sudden, you know, coaches are in a guy's ear or this or that, um, and, and you got guys, you know, maybe looking to poach somebody. And I firmly believe that that is not happening in, in our conference. Um, something I learned that was that was really kind of unique. And I don't know if this still goes on, but I have a sneaking suspicion it does. But Tim Wendell would tell me that basically after every single game, the the better players or the best players on teams would basically reach out either through text or, you know, on Instagram or something and be like, bro, come play, you know, come play for us. Nah, bro, you come play for us. And he said it was it was never really serious, but it was basically every single game. So you'd have like Trenton Krieger at Bethany being like, Tim, you know, we, 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 we'd be so sick together. Come play with us. And Tim would be like, no, nah, man, you can play, you can play with us. And that was just kind of an every game thing. And so I always found that kind of comical. Um, but now that kind of stuff is a reality and, and it really does make it so easy. And, um, you know, I, I do think there are times where it really does serve our students and, and a student can find, whether it's the culture of the school, whether it's the culture of the program, whether it's even just opportunities. Um, and so for me, if a student engages in that and they're authentically looking just for a better opportunity for themselves or a better fit, I think it's a net positive. Um, but it's, it definitely, man, it does feel like the Wild West. I mean, there are a lot of faces on a lot of teams that you're like, wait a minute, what now? Like this guy's over here and these two guys went this way. And so it's, it's definitely wild times. That's a great perspective on things. And I would agree. You can certainly come up with arguments both ways on that for the good, the bad, and whether it benefits you or doesn't benefit you. So it's, it's something we could talk about for hours. I'll move it in a different direction. This will be the last question I have for you, coach. You mentioned top seven guys in the rotation coming back this year. There is a lot of expectations. With that many guys coming back, and I mean, I don't have to run through each one or single out guy specifically, but how much do you expect from them and their leadership and the fact that they've been there within the program now to be examples for the younger guys and to be able to pick up where they left off last year and kind of just run with it right away? Yeah, no, there, there's a heavy, a heavy expectation on those guys, a heavy load on those guys to, to really set the tone and... Um, my hope, and I, I firmly believe that this will happen, is that we, we've got such a good group of guys that they are going to pull guys up with them. Um, I'm not anticipating that there's going to be any 
sort of, you know, even like, you know, sometimes you, you get an upperclassman and, and you see it with, I think most acutely with NFL quarterbacks, like, no, I'm, I'm not going to mentor this guy. This guy's trying to take my job or, you know, they, they draft a, you know, a quarterback in the first round and, you know, the, the starting quarterback gets all salty about it. And I don't think we're going to have any of that. I think we're going to have guys that, you know, authentically want to help our young guys get better. They want to help them integrate to the college game. Um, you know, high, high tide raises all ships kind of a situation. And so we, I think we're in a really good place with, with really solid player leadership. Um, and, and it's, that's so important because you really do win with experience, um, you know, at pretty much, especially at the D3 level. Certainly there can be impact transfers and, and guys who come in and just, you know, set the world on fire. But it, it's the guys that have been through the battles, that have been in the trenches, that know what it takes to win tough games, to win in the postseason. That, uh, that's worth its weight in gold. And so we're really lucky that we've got a lot of that. Um, and I'm just really confident that, that our leaders and our returners are going to do a great job, you know, setting the tone for our group. Good stuff once more, Coach, and I just got one final one here before we wrap up, but I uh, really appreciate how generous you've been with your time, and don't don't at all see this as being, uh, we won't talk to you till next October or next November. We hope uh, we can catch up later on down the road in the season and maybe get into some more X's and O's, but this is more of a vague question on Crown College as a whole and specifically looking at athletics at Crown baseball at crown wins the umac title and goes to the ncaa tournament this last spring you guys burst onto the scene and have a breakout season and just fall short in the championship you got the new branding coming into play we hear about the atmosphere inside the the whack is is it's called the wild athletic center i'm saying all that to get to this question is crown athletics as a whole on the rise would you say and in your position can you feel that do you feel something different if you will in the last you know, six months, year, two years, whatever it may be, that you are building something as far as the whole athletics program goes at Crown right now? So, yeah, really excited to answer that question. And then before you guys sign off on me, though, when I get done answering the question, I've actually got something for you guys that I want to maybe not finish with, but that I definitely <laughs> wanted to get to today. So I'll, I'll circle back to that. You guys might know what I'm talking about. You might not. Okay, sounds good. Um, but, yeah, to answer your question, it's a really exciting time. And I think – a lot of people, and I don't say this, you know, in a negative way, but if you've seen behind the scenes and you know everything that it takes to be a successful college program, it's not just, you know, a high paid coach. It's not just look at this great facility. There's so much that goes on. And, and I can say that, um, you know, the last year or so at Crown, there, there's been some there's been some wild changes and there's been some, some, you know, some, some wild things that have happened, but overall the, the investment we're seeing in athletics, especially when it comes to coaching and to staffing is really encouraging. Um, I actually did my master's thesis on um, using athletics as a vehicle to drive enrollment and used crown as a case study. Um, and there's three kind of generic models, you know, that, that you can use to do that. One is the facility model. You know, if you build it, they will come kind of a model. Um, the other is adding sports. Hey, we're going to add lacrosse. We're going to add water polo. We're going to add whatever. Um, and then the other is staffing. And the idea being that if you add quality full-time coaches, they can recruit, they can build better programs that are going to attract more students. Um, you know, and, and there's been a ton of studies done on that when you've got winning sports teams, your enrollment goes up. It just does. You know, the students go away. They have a winning experience. They have a, they have a good time. 
they tell their kids, you know, in you know their former teammates. They tell people from their school. They they bring a girlfriend or a boyfriend with, and um, all of a sudden your your numbers start to rise as a whole. And so I think I think we're on the very front edge of that. Um, I'm really excited about some of the young coaches we have. It, it's a really um, vibrant, um, positive atmosphere in the athletic department. We've got you know some bright young coaches I think that are going to do really well at Crown. Um, and they're in a position where they're full time and they're not, you know, like me, my, my career was, there's a lot of slash marks, a lot of, you know, Hey, I'm the basketball coach slash. I'm also the SID, which is pretty significant, you know, extra duty, or I'm, Oh, by the way, I'm also the men's soccer coach. Um, and we, we almost have none of that anymore. Our, our coaches are, are responsible for their sport and they certainly pitch in and we have other duties. I'm on the website writing stories. Um, you know, even as, as was waiting for you guys, um, you know, to connect with you guys tonight, I'm writing a volleyball recap and a women's soccer recap and things like that. Um, so there's, there's little things we all do, but um, we've got a bright young group of coaches. They're great fits at Crown. They really want to serve students. Um, the other thing I've learned is that it doesn't, you don't just snap your fingers and you're good. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. It, it, it's a process. It takes time. And so I think we've got some coaches that are that are in it for the long haul. Um, and I think you're going to see, um, you know, teams go from, you know, maybe not being as competitive to being very competitive. All of a sudden, they're going to break into the playoffs. And then, you know, hopefully we've got some more championships coming. Baseball should be really good. Um, I'm I'm weirdly excited for I shouldn't say weirdly I'm excited for the uh, the conference golf tournament. I think that could be. You know, I've been I've been writing stories all year and Superior wins, then Northwestern wins, then Crown won a couple of tournaments early. I mean, there's, I think in a, in the last tournament, the top six teams were separated by eight strokes, which is incredibly tight. And so over three rounds, you know, that's going to be a really engaging and an exciting thing. And so, um, yeah, I, I just think we're we're, we're in a, at the at the very front edge of a really positive time in Crown athletics, and and I'm excited to still be here and and still be a part of it. That's great stuff, Coach. We'll kick it right back over to you with uh, whatever you you were alluding to yeah. that you want to share. So yeah, so I I love you guys, man, and, and I and I'll just say this too on the pod, not to you know not that you need the extra advertising or anything, but it was really fun to see our guys, other kids at school, coaches. You guys got a lot of airtime with, with UMAC basketball people, and it was it was really fun. People were paying attention and they were tuning in and. They were listening. And so one of the things I got a little bit of a bone to pick with you, though, um, towards the end of last season, um, when we were going into that last week of the regular season, um, we you guys, I think, alluded to um, our last game with Superior and they kicked our butts. Man, they were really good. I think Josh Reinertsen went like six of seven from three or maybe even six of six and they beat us handily. Um, but I, I made a comment in the write up on our website that the uh, the game we you know the players knew going in that the game didn't matter and it showed and I think on the pod you guys said well how you know of course the game still mattered how would Crown know that North Central was going to beat Bethany and so I just wanted to point out that we were aware of every tiebreaker scenario and no matter what we did against Superior the only game that mattered that weekend was the North Central Bethany game because if Bethany won and we won, Bethany had the 2-0 tiebreaker against us. If um, Bethany won and we lost, obviously they were clear of us. But then if Bethany lost and we won, certainly we would go ahead of them. But the, the, the kind of the kicker was if Bethany lost and we lost, we knew that it would put the teams into a three-way tiebreaker, us, North Central, and Bethany. 
And then the first tiebreaker is record against teams above you in the standings. And we were the only team to beat Northwestern. So it was there, there was a lot of tiebreaker scenarios, but we did know going into that game that our game was superior, didn't matter. And that's not to take anything away from them. Um, but I definitely, you know, we, we definitely didn't play our starters the last, I think, 15 or so minutes of that game because we knew that the only game that mattered that weekend was the North Central game. So I just had to had to clear the air. Um, I actually had a couple of people tell me, like, oh, you got to tell them about the tiebreaker thing. So I just wanted to throw that out there. So, so Coach, my head, even just with you explaining all that, is starting to hurt, and that's what <laughs> happened last year, too. And I, I feel a little embarrassed that we both missed it because even after the fact, we had somebody – I don't remember if it was just a fan or who it was. Somebody it was, actually emailed us. It was Testament's and, dad, yeah. Okay, and told us and, like, ran us through what you just ran us through there, and we still, like, didn't understand or couldn't figure it out, so that was on us. Uh, and you're right. I'm glad you did bring it up. That's why you're one of my favorite interviews is because you'll just you'll come right back at us, and, uh, yeah, we, we, we appreciate that. So, no, I, I appreciate that, and I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, Ryan. No, I'll just say, you know, obviously we won't have any of that happen this year. There'll be no I, – I mean, that tiebreaker was complicated, but, Coach, you know on the woman's side, the number one seed oh. on the woman's side legit came down to a coin toss. So Wyatt and I are just hoping that something like that does not happen ever again on either side, not to get political, but that was that was, uh, that was tough. It did make no, for there, some there, there, that is that at is... the time. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, that's fair. You know, obviously outrage always makes for good, you know, good podcast, good radio, good TV. And that's so tough. And, and we did talk as a coaching group about what are some creative ways we can avoid that scenario. But it, I will say this, when you get into a situation where you're looking at a three-way tie and then how do you break it down, those things are really complicated. And I will admit to being enough of a nerd that I kind of love that stuff. And, and we were, you know, very well aware of kind of every different scenario, um, you know, going into that, even I would say probably the final couple weeks as we were, you know, projecting how things might break out. And as coaches, sometimes I think we probably spend too much time doing that. Um, but it's something that definitely grabs, grabs my attention. We had a good time with it. And I know there was, and I won't name names, but I know there was a, another fan, and I'll just put it that way, in the UMAC that was really upset and used the coin toss as a way to kind of claim, hey, Crown doesn't deserve to be the two seed. And to be fair, this fan also didn't really have a robust understanding of the tiebreaker system or how it worked. Um, and I'll just leave that there. So you guys weren't the only ones that were kind of trying to figure out how things should shake out and, and whether or not, you know, they were, they were above board or, or how they went. So I, I had to, I had to get that. Like I said, love you guys. I haven't been losing sleep over it or, you know, walking around in a rage or anything. I was just like, no, 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 we knew, we knew, I promise we knew. <laughs> and so that, that's how that shook out. Hey, we're going to better our best this year, and it's not going to happen again where we're confused. We appreciate it, and hopefully we don't run into that scenario again. Well, and like I said, you know, we, we want to be in a situation where we're not worried about a tiebreaker to, to either get us in or get us home court or, you know, get us a top seed. Obviously, we want to take care of our business and, and leave the tiebreakers to, to somebody else. That's the best way to look at it, Coach. That is the message you should be preaching to your players. So we, we do agree with that. And, you know, Wyatt and I are looking forward to that time where we have all that complication in late February. But the dream is in the process, as we like to say. So we'll, we'll enjoy the season. You haven't even begun practice yet. So we, we don't have to rush this thing. We, we'll, we'll get there. No, it is. It's, it's, you know, being with these guys for, you know, sometimes close to five months is an absolute joy. And, and you alluded to it earlier. It's why we do it. And I think it's what makes – 
it's what makes the you know our conference and you you know it's even in the title unlike any other um it's a great experience you know i've been in a couple different conferences i've been at a couple different levels um and i i really do relish competing in the umac i i enjoy the familiarity i enjoy um you know what 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 is coach Sorensen going to spring on us when we go up to Northland and you know what adjustments are are you know coach Gross going to make from the last game and um when coach you know uh I think it was coach Fletcher we we had a real cat and mouse thing going with you know what are they going to run on their ball screens how are we going to guard it and um you know they 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 paid us a nice compliment they basically said a scouting report is a scouting report is irrelevant we just have to wait for the the first time out and see how you've been guarding it. And so, um, you know, memorizing each other's play calls and stuff like that. It's it's a competitive league, and so it's it's a ton of fun to compete in it. And then I'm looking forward to another really great season. We are as well, Coach. Again, we really do appreciate you being generous with your time. We know uh, you got to get back to to better things, but uh, we will be in touch definitely. You can bet on that, and uh, look forward to hopefully connecting with you down the road later on this season. So best of luck to you guys this year. And again, thank you for the time. Yeah, hey, really enjoy talking to you guys, and um, I've actually spent more time, I think, listening to Ryan than than many, because I've been watching, man, the baseball playoffs, and yeah. I think we had him on <laughs> watching some soccer games, and I'm I'm tuning in. So when 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 our teams are at Northwestern, you can you can better believe I'm listening. So Appreciate great to hear you guys. It. Great to talk to you again, and uh, yeah, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Coach.